Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bad End Podcast, episode 101. That, for all of you who don't know, is the first number of the movie title, 101 Dalmatians. So just like the 101 Dalmatians, this is our 101st episode, which somehow feels further away than 100. Like 100 was a big number, but 101 is like we're over the hill. Like it's just, it's downhill from here. I don't know. Uh, Joined as always with me today is Joshua Calixto. Live from Los Angeles, California. What's up, uh, we're, my co-host, Kyle Cookstell? I'm doing, uh, I'm full. I just had a 10-piece wing. And, you know, when I was in high school, I won a wing eating competition. I ate 92 wings. Um, I have a certificate somewhere. And I ate 10 wings today, and I feel way worse <laughs> than I did then. Uh, I like feel it in my chest and if nothing says 30, like 10 wings being felt in your chest, then I don't know what else would. Wow. So, um, that's how I feel. How do you feel, Josh? Uh, I feel all right. I guess I'm recovering from a a surgery that I just had. I'm just, I just want to get back on the tennis courts, you know, that's all I I want. It's not, what's, is there like a, the paint phrase for like tennis courts? It's like a cool hip way to refer to being on the court. I just want to be back on the, on the courts. On the, on there's the, a special like material, right? It's on like the hard on the hard court. Like, on the, on the, the clay. clay. The clay. Yeah, but, I mean, nobody, you have to be pretty bougie to no play on No one says clay. on the clay. You, you got to have like <laughs> quite a few privileges to play on clay at this point. This is one of the things I learned from my like original Mario tennis games was the importance of the like materiality of the tennis surface itself. Cause it like changes the game. Yeah. Like it doesn't like, like it doesn't really change football to be like an AstroTurf versus like grass or even like soccer, soccer, maybe a little bit because the ball rolls, but like tennis like fundamentally changes based on what you're playing in which is really crazy. Yeah. There's like a meta like, yeah. 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 Roger Federer is like the king of playing on grass courts. And then like Rafael Nadal is really good at playing on clay courts. So like yeah. if they, like they have just cause of the way that they hit the ball, it's like more advantageous to play on a certain court versus another cause of what it's made out of, which is kind of nuts. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other sports. The closest thing I can think of is like playing pull at bars. <laughs> like, you know, you never know what stain or like weird part of the thing is going to be missing. So you got to play around. Like there's like the, playing in bad weather in other sports, sure. like uh, football, like when they play in the snow and shit, it's like that there's got to be an advantage to the teams who like practice in the Northwest or not the Northwest. I'm sorry. The, the Northeast. Um, or to teams, for instance, like teams that play in Colorado and Denver and stuff like that, where it's like insane altitude and yeah. other teams will come and just like get destroyed because they have their conditioning isn't like as good for high altitude play. Oh, this was always like the thing with like Brazilian <laughs> soccer players. They like train the mountains or something and like they just destroy everyone because their lung capacity is insane. Yeah, it's like a thing now where they they have those those masks where the player will just wear like a weird mask that inhibits their breathing. Sounds like some fucking Goku shit. 
basically <laughs> you like that's what it is. Go to your chamber. It's like low oxygen <laughs> and exercise. And you're just your cardio gets way better because it's like it's the equivalent of like batting with a donut. Sure. You see sure. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those who for the non baseball savvy, it's when you practice swinging a bat with a big like weight on the bat. And when you swing without the weight on, you can theoretically swing harder. I mean, Man, I know we talk about this is like a video game podcast, but have you like hit a ball with a baseball bat before? Like like an actual pitch with an actual bat and an actual ball? I, yeah, I went to the batting cages like a year ago. Dude, it fucking hurts. It's it like hurts crazy. Your hands, yeah. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, we didn't solve this. Yeah. Like it 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 like hurts to like hit these things. Like it's a solid piece of like wood or metal and it doesn't like flex. So you're just, you're like your whole like arm wrist hand like absorbs the whole shock of this like fiercely vibrating metal beam. Yeah. And then like just the act of hitting a fucking, we, we had this machine set to 70 miles an hour. It's so fucking hard to hit a ball that's coming at you at that speed. <laughs> <laughs> like you basically have to start swinging like the moment it comes out. And then yeah. you just have to adjust as it's coming at yeah. you. <laughs> it's nuts. Anyway. Uh, anyways. Speaking of video um, games. Speaking of video games. Speaking of sports games, uh, I have not played Mario Golf, but it is out. Have you played that? No, I haven't. I actually was playing some Mario Tennis. Ooh. Aces. The the one for Switch? Yeah, yeah. Aces. Um, Do you like it? I don't know if I... I mean, I we've talked about that game on this show before, and like it's interesting now coming back to it, having a bit more perspective on like the way that tennis works. Sure. In some like ways, it's Like you don't like easier. hit the ball back and it turns into like a Koopa shell. It's not normal tennis. Well, it's like they have... Like a certain button is used to hit topspin. Another button is used to hit slice. Another one is like... There's like a combo to do if you want to do a drop shot but you have to like know how the game works if you want to use that right yeah which is what was kind of frustrating to me about the game at first because i was like i don't know anything about tennis like what the fuck does topspin do like why do i want to use topspin why do i care um but i was also getting annoyed because there's like i was playing this stage where there's like if you there's like mirrors that float above the like mm-hmm. tennis net and if you hit a ball into the mirror it like becomes like a basically portal thing where it shoots the ball back at you <laughs> it's not normal tennis no it's not who would thought <laughs> <laughs> and i kept like losing to that i was like what the fuck this is like so bullshit and i feel like there's like rubber banding with the computer where it's just like it'll just start having these crazy yeah. serves that are just like you can't just ace me like that, bro. There's definitely like, I think a lot of the Mario tennis games are actually like veiled, like rock, paper, scissors games where the sort of the idea is that it's sort of like playing, um, like punch out or something where there's like patterns that people go through and you should have to learn. Like there's like a right way to return stuff. Yeah. 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 In a way that sets you up. But, um, if you want to do that, you can you know, have that experience. It's also funny. You sound on the verge of like someone who's really good at guitar playing guitar hero and being like, oh, fuck this kid can't play. It's not like a real guitar. <laughs> but I know you're not saying that. 
No, I'm it's and plus I also like tennis. how different Guitar Hero guitar is from real guitar. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really play that much games this week. That's fine. I played um I played Sea of Thieves some more. You, Have you played Sea of you're Thieves? You're a Sea yet? of Thieves guy, aren't you? I'm like a Sea of Thieves truther, but I'm not as much of a Sea of Thieves guy as I might let on. I think it's because I'm like very excited about a lot of what's happens in the Sea of Thieves, but you also do sort of need a group of people to play consistently. And like, it's weird enough where those people are hard to find. Um, and like, I don't have a ton of time to like group up consistently for multiplayer stuff. So I cherish when I do get to play it. Um, but I did play some more of it and uh, it's really cool. I It's just like, I'm not totally sold on the like basically everything you get in that game is cosmetic, which is like on one hand really nice because it makes competition sort of easy because the ser- like the server size is like maybe like 16 to 32 people on like a single server. And it's, it's not, you don't pick a server it's instanced uh, to move around on. Um, so like when you spawn in, you basically spawn into like some server and then like you can, you have like a persistent item box with all your like cosmetic shit. So you can like dress up your ships and stuff and you like go do quests. Um, so that means that you don't have like stuff that makes your like gun stronger or whatever. So technically uh, you're like as competitive as the person with like all the playtime because you all have the same sort of gear generally. Um, right. So that's sort of cool, but also it does undercut a lot of like the core ideas of Sea of Thieves where you're like, you're going on quests and stuff to like get cool things. But what's cool about Sea of Thieves is not actually the rewards. It's the, the friends we made along the way. Like I, I think that what the game is really good at is like providing sort of enough stuff such that like a, playing the game is a generative experience where like it's never as easy as like go from here to here. It's like you kind of make your own fun along the way where you're like, oh, there's a weird island over there. Should we stop there? What's there? Oh shit, there's these things. Oh, it looks like we found this map here that like does this thing and there's treasure down here. And oh, kill this guy. Oh shit, some people are coming up. Should we go attack them? And then like, so you have like a loose guide um, that lets you sort of like structure the overall thing. But then on the way there, uh, you kind of like encounter more fun stuff. So I really, I think it's really cool. I think that like the next thing that's like this will be like really good. And I think it took something like Sea of Thieves to like prime audiences for this, but it's, yeah, it's cool. I don't know. It's in the game is like fucking beautiful to be on the water. Uh, the game is like gorgeous just to be in and hang out in. And I do really appreciate the sort of generativeness of it and how it can both be like somewhat guided while also being like totally open. Like it's basically a sandbox, um, a pirate sandbox. And that's just, I don't know. It's fun to like do that and play with people. I'm still not like super far in it. I feel like I've done like the same sort of intro stuff a lot and I'm sort of, I'm itching to do like bigger quests and things. Cause there is like a lot of cooler stuff like riddles and like secret underwater areas. And there's a lot of like stuff that's like not on the map. Um, well, it's not marked on the map. You can like, go explore and discover stuff. So I definitely want to do more of that stuff. Are you um, playing with friends? Yeah. This time I was playing with friends, um, which is, I think, pretty key. You can play with other people, um, but you definitely run a risk in this game of, like, because it's so sandboxy, 
if you've got the ability to play um, with random people or whatever, uh, it's possible that the people who you're playing with aren't necessarily aligned in the way that you want to play. So you could like really easily get like someone who just wants to min max quests or whatever. Right. And like this game is really ripe for people who know how to min max it because there's not a lot of stuff there in terms of like the material structure of quests where people are like, we should go do this and do this and do this. And we'll go here and go grab this thing. And you're just like, I don't like, I'm not here to like get the most gold. I want to like have a good time. So doing that with friends is much easier than randoms. So that's the thing about co-op games, man. Every single one that I've played, it's like just to get people on the same page about this shit is like, it takes a lot, you know, Discord made it easier and during the pandemic it was easier, but like right now is just, it's a hard time for co-op gaming. (laughs) Yeah. I think like, yeah, just the, cause it's the other thing too, is that it's not, it's not suited to like drop in, drop out multiplayer. It's, um, the way the multiplayer is structured, you have to be, you pick your boat first. So you can pick a boat size of like, there's like a boat size of one, two to three, and then four. And the four is the biggest boat. Um, and when you play, you have to you, you can you have to come in with the size boat that you want people to join in with. But if you're just playing with like one person, you're not gonna you're gonna pick a small boat because you have to, you kind of have to um, in terms of the size requirement. And then uh, you could, I mean, and if you want to invite someone to your game, you basically got to leave the game and like restart a game together to rejoin a server, which means that you have to finish all the stuff that you did at the time that they wanted to play because the way quests work, they have to be like manually turned in, which is like part of the fun. It's not a, it's not an issue. So like if someone's like, Oh, you're playing sea of thieves, let me play. And you're like, uh, I got like 45 minutes till I am at a good point where you can join in. Um, you can't just like leave a game. Uh, it doesn't really work like that. And so I think that's sort of working against it in a way. I think it's sort of a necessity. I, I like, I, I appreciate them like doing this. Cause I do think that like, it also makes the st- play structure really nice. We're like, we're gonna go do a quest. We're gonna go out and come back and like log off. But if people aren't there when you start, like just getting someone to join in is sort of a pain in the ass. Um, unless your boat's already the right size. So it's a big ask. That's really, I mean, cause this looks cool. Like I look at the footage and I played this game before and I had fun. But it's like, uh, where do I go from there? I need to find people to play yeah. with like consistently if you want to get something yeah. out of it besides like the first three hours or whatever, you know? Like yeah. when when you reach a certain point in your life, it's hard to get people to play a co-op game with you like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I'd be interested to know like what the average player group size is in that game. Because I doubt it's four. Getting four people together, like the game is uh, people. I think the game, th- I think the game is like really popular. It's like, especially over time, it's gotten more popular. I think like even in Twitch, it was like up in Twitch stats recently. I think because of they did this like Johnny Depp Pirates of the Caribbean thing. Oh, right. But like, I imagine it's like the, either the smallest boat or like the two to three player size, or it's just you and a friend or something. But even then, like it's, you can't really get like, like see if these is not a game that will give you like 20 minutes of fun. Like the arc of a single sort of like fun experience in that game is like an hour, hour and a half, um, which can be like sort of a big ask. So, yeah, 
<sighs> I don't know. You dude. know what is? You know what is a good 20 minutes of fun though? What? I'm playing some Overwatch, man. Actually, I've been playing two games that are sort of similar. I mean, similar in the 20-minute bursts. I've been playing uh, Fantasy Star Online 2, Next Genesis, New Genesis, New Gen. I don't remember what it's called. And I've been playing Overwatch some more, just like going back. Okay. And those games, those games are great 20-minute bursts of fun. Overwatch, I can have like a fun experience in 20 minutes. Guaranteed every time. I love playing Farah. I love how fair feels. It's like fun to boost around. It's great. And for like, for like no reason, I am like starting to get excited for overwatch Two, based on like nothing. I've like seen like a little bit and like, I'm not even actively seeking out overwatch two news, but all of a sudden something is like in my bloodstream and I'm like, Oh, I'm kind of excited for like the second one. And I think it's cause I'm like thinking back on, when the first game, when like Overwatch one first came out and like everyone was playing Overwatch and like, it was like actually a good game too, which was sort of wild. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is Overwatch is definitely a great pop in. I really like how casual it feels, you know, like you yeah. just like kind of press up a couple buttons and it's like, all right, you're, you're queuing up and you could just be doing other things. It's like it, another game that's really good with that is Rocket League. Where it's oh, like, yeah. it doesn't feel like when you're in queue for a game, it's like, we're looking for a fucking perfect match for you to park. It's got to be the biggest competition important match. In it's going to be a arena. Yeah, like, yeah. get your fucking nuts ready. Get your room pages together and get <laughs> fucking, you know, it's not that whole fanfare. It's just like you press the button and it's just like, all right, we're we're looking for people. Do whatever. Look at the, like, or listen to some voice lines. Like. Look at some fucking <laughs> some, like, skins. Some like bad dubstep. Look at some yeah. skins. <laughs> Chill out, you know. In League of Legends, it's like figure out your fuck your figure out your runes, pick your summoner spells, like make sure you like, pick your uh, loadout. And it's like oh, I don't want to uh, do any of this. Yeah, you're like I just want to. Yeah, Rocket League is great for that. It's like fucking get in, drive a rocket car around. Yeah, any game where you can do training while you're in queue is like. Good. like they should That's that the should shit. be a standard but it's not um can you train in valorant no well you can but you can't to be in queue you have to not be in the in the practice the range mm. as they call it in valorant but i use aim lab anyway so <laughs> i want to get back in there yeah man. you do it's looking at some i'd be interested to play valorant if it was not so fucking long you just play spire crush Oh, is that a new thing? No, they've always had it. They have like shorter, shorter modes. There's like deathmatch and stuff like that. No, I mean, I like the core mode so that you'd have to play like 12 rounds of it. It's no, like, but I mean, uh, that's what I'm saying. Like you could play some spike rushes. Spike rush is like right. mini version of the normal game. Mm. Yeah. It's a I might try that. Best of I liked four when I played Valorant like that. and I was like. Yeah, it's fun. That's tight. But dude, okay. Fantasy Star Online 2. I gotta look this up. I can't remember if it's New Genesis. New Genesis. Yeah. Okay, so the, the deal with this game is that Fantasy Star Online 2 came out nine years ago, which is insane. Well, sorry. Well, Fantasy Star Online, yeah, two. The Fantasy Star Online series naming is weird. The biggest thing to know is that the Fantasy Star Online 2 game is an MMO came out nine years ago and was like big on PC and it was only in Japan. And I think maybe like 
other Southeast Asia region for like forever, basically until a year and a half or two years ago. I remember, I remember they did an English release finally. And it took like forever. And everyone was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Anyways, when they did that release, like a year and a half ago, um, the games got like at that point, seven and a half years of like fucking MMO cruft on it. And like, this game is like not nefarious, like Korean MMO style, like cash shops stuff. However, there is like a ton of bullshit in this game. They just like throw at you. And um, when you like stack that up over the course of seven and a half years, also with like fantasy stars, like style is sort of like very garish. Like the game is just like, it was like overloaded. There was, it was just like, it wasn't like bloated. There was just like so much shit and like so many things and prompts were like out of date or whatever that unless you were like there since day one, it was like impossible to start really. Um, and like this, the design of it was old. It was like, they'd been working on it, you know, probably for 15 years since now. Uh, meaning that this game is like pulling in design trends from like the early 2000 MMO style or whatever. So for whatever, I don't actually know why they did this, but they announced a year ago, I think that they were going to like sort of re-release fantasy star online two as fantasy star online two new Genesis. And, um, they didn't really say like what it was. As far as I remember, it was mostly like, we're re-releasing it. It's on a new eye. It's like on a new planet and you're not in like space and like, it looks better, but like, so I've been playing, I was been playing this this past week and it's basically fantasy star online three. Uh, and it's like fucking great. Wait, so what was the thing that came out last year or whatever? That was the English release of fantasy star online two at that point, eight years old. Oh, and so they announced like we're doing new Genesis and new Genesis was launching in English the same time it was launching in Japanese. Interesting. So, dude, this game is fucking good too. Like, so the, what, what's been sort of interesting playing it is like, um, a, it's like fucking gorgeous. Like it's, it's it for real feels like, unreal engine four or five, like particle demo insanity. Like this just, it's so beautiful to look at, which is crazy for an MMO. A it's like not full of cash shop bullshit. B good thing. Um, it's like fun to play. Like it's the fantasy star is not a turn-based game. Well, fantasy star online is not a turn-based game. It's like action combat. And there's not really like cooldowns. Like you have like, uh, like PP, which is like something power, or maybe it's TP. I don't remember. I think it's PP. <laughs> um, so like, and that goes, goes up and down with your stuff and it regenerates, but like, you're basically just like wailing on people um, live and it feels like a fucking open world MMO action game. That's like really cool. Uh, and at the same time, what they've done, that's really interesting is they've taken a lot of the sort of structure of like how a fantasy star online game works, which is, um, I'm trying to think of like a comparable thing to like Final Fantasy 14. Like, I guess, I don't know if this is a thing. I can't remember, but like in Final Fantasy 14, you have like health potions, right? That you like use to heal yourself. So Fantasy Star Online has the same thing. It was called, um, there was a spell called Resta. Uh, and so Resta as a spell used uh, like PP to use. 
Uh, which meant that you were, if you were like casting a spell, you were choosing between like healing yourself or someone else or doing an attack spell. This is just one example of this thing. So what they did in Fancy Star Online, effectively three, is that they've instead like looked at a lot of the stuff that makes Fantasy Star Online be Fantasy Star and sort of like freshened it up to like be like more modern uh, and a little bit like less crufty. So now you just find this like plant on the ground when you're battling that's called like Resta something and you just pick that up and then you can just use that sort of thing as Resta instead of having to spend um, like, I think it might be TP tech points on it. So you just like have it and it doesn't actually count against your stuff. And there's like a lot of little things like this that are all throughout the game where what's crazy about it is, so this is not just like, oh, there's another world in Fantasy Star Online too. I think I was like, Wes actually was the person who told me Shout out to Wes on the watching the video right now. Um, that it's basically Fantasy Star Online 3. It's like they took all the ideas of Fantasy Star and sort of like boiled it a little bit to like a reduction. And they're like, what actually makes this thing be this thing? And it's like very focused on that. Um, and it's like good. Like I'm I'm very excited to like, I'll probably play it after this fucking podcast. Um, just like get back in there and like run around and like uh just like do the quests, like do the MMO stuff. Um, yeah, it's like, I was just like, I was sort of like, frankly, just totally surprised. I was like, what the, what? This is like a whole new game. Yeah, where's the this marketing is like, for this? I think it's one of these things where like fantasy star is not a huge thing in America. So it's like big, like overseas. Um, but I think that them releasing it in English is sort of their marketing where they're like, listen, you wanted fantasy star online too for eight years in English. Here's this one, day one, English, everything. Um, Man, this is wild. You should check it out. I mean, it is interesting it's, it's, uh, coming in an era where, like, basically Final Fantasy XIV has just reached its pinnacle right now. Yeah. It's kind of nuts. Like, there's, it's sold out. You can't even buy it in some places. Really? Yeah, because, the, like, digitally you can't buy it because it's, the servers are so full that they can't, like, fit more people inside the game. That's insane. Yeah. It was like a big story this last week and like some big wow streamer like moved to Final Fantasy 14 and um it was like a big thing. He brought like a lot of a lot of people were like entering the game because of him. Um but that game is amazing. Yeah, Sumo was saying they ran out of codes. They need to like generate new codes essentially. <laughs> Which is That's wild incredible. when you think about it. I want to get back into it, but it's so, man, it's such a hard time to play MMOs because I'm like, I want to be doing other things with my life right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. Also, man, I have the worst, right now I have the worst, like, looking in my Steam library and not being able to find a game I want to play syndrome. You just spend, spend like one hour staring at your thing. And then like after the hour, you're like, if I would have played literally anything for that hour, I would have had more fun than staring at my library. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. I want just a, a roguelike that, and that's, that's what I'm starting to realize is like, there's only so many good roguelikes, which is funny because we talk about how there are a dime a dozen and like they kind <laughs> of are, but at the same time, like it sucks to be in a position where you've played all the good ones. Have you tried, um, rogue book? No, but I was looking at that one. <clears throat> it's I a friend, card roguelike, uh, right? Yeah. Friend of the show, Cameron Kunzelman was speaking high praises of it on Twitter. Uh, it's like 
co-designed by Richard Garfield of, you know, Magic the Gathering. Um, and it's the people who, it's like him plus the people who did uh, like Feria or Feria. I don't know how to say oh, yeah, name, yeah, yeah. Which was a sort of like, ta- it was familiar. like one of the first big like free-to-play tactical. Yeah. Oh, I, speaking of which, actually I did, I played Griftlands. The new. Ooh, how was that? I think, who is it? Is it Clay? Clay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me pull some footage here for y'all. I remember the big thing about Grifflands that I remember is that it they announced it like forever ago, and it seems like it changed a lot from when it was announced, and it's become this like conversation battler thing. Whereas when they announced it, it was like space roaming adventure rpg thing and so i'm like less interested in what grifflands is now because it looks it looks not a lot like what was initially shown yeah i mean it's basically what do you think that's the thing is that like they have regular combat and then like diplomatic combat where it's like you have separate decks if for if you're trying to get through a scenario through or an encounter through conversation and or persuasion versus if you're trying to get through an encounter via force. And it's right. like, it's basically the same thing. It's just like you have to learn two different systems that are very, very similar, um, which I, from the very beginning, I was kind of like annoyed by that, that way of constructing the system. But it only got like a little bit more annoying as time went on because it's just like, I don't know. It just feels like you're you're doing the same thing as like Slay the Spire, but you're just giving right. me different parameters on which to do the same mechanics, you know? Yeah. And card games are word games, in my opinion. It's all about semantics and it's all about how you construct things and construct sentences and construct ideas that you then put into your deck. And like brevity is the equivalent of having like a very optimized deck. If you think about it, mm-hmm. it's, it's I've kind of realized this after playing like years and years of card games, um, which is like where they're very language centric and the language of the game Grifflands is very clunky. Like the way that they call the different mechanics is just like, dude, what the fuck is this? Like I have my resolve. <laughs> That's like basically my like mental health meter sort of thing. And then there's just like all sorts of different keywords that are just piled on that are just, ugh. there's so much going on. I feel like this is a thing that's like, you sort of like take for granted something like magic or um, like Runeterra where those games are like so perfectly written that it's like unambiguous what they do. There's another card game I want to talk about after this. That's actually related to what you're talking about too. But like you sort of take for granted the way like stuff is explained where it's like it's like very specific. It could like literally like the whole meaning of something could hinge on a single word that's like three letters long. And if you like don't nail that, it just like especially in a card game, right, where you're trying to like enact somewhat deterministic action. If you're like, what does this mean that like this will happen or like this will happen? And like that's not a fun thing. Like it's not like, well, let's play and find out. Like, it's not that sort of thing. It's like, oh, like they're, it's, it's, it's hard for you to make a decision because it's unclear based on what you're saying, what's actually going to happen. 
Right. Just like right here, improvise a card from a pool of special cards. And it's like improvise. So what just, the fuck is I have to read the tooltip. It's just being I have to read draw. the tooltip. And it's like improvise, <laughs> choose one of three cards to put into your hand. Okay, like are they okay? It's random. But then like that's the combat system isn't even where it gets rough. It's in this, like the talking one. Look at this shit. You, there's like you have to defend your arguments on the left side. Sorry, we're uh, this is in the video podcast version if you want to see what we're referring to. Um, I'll try to do as good of a job of explaining this without the visual aid, but if you want to see this, the video I'm talking about, you can go check out this episode on YouTube. I'll just search for Bad End Podcast in YouTube and you can find episode 101 on there. Um, but yeah, there's like, you have to attack their arguments and then if you destroy their core argument they that is then you basically win the encounter but there's like composure which is basically armor for your arguments and it's just like you have to learn a new language for the same <laughs> concepts that you have to do in the other combat anyway you know it sounds very like debate me bro it, it, it's it's You're like i would tear it's down corny. your core it's argument, honestly corny sir. it's corny Ooh, destroy their core <laughs> argument and you'll, you know, freaking ad hominem card. It's literally, there's like literally stuff like that. Uh, Yeah, that sounds rough. Yeah. I mean, besides that, it's a cool game. There's some cool dialogue systems and stuff like that that I like. Uh, it's roguelike. So like if you die, you can kind of start over and have different encounters and there's more to encounter. But yeah. Do you know Clay was bought by Tencent? No, I did not. <laughs> yeah. That's owned by Tencent. Owned by Evil Megacorp. Maybe no. Don't Starve is like super popular in China or something. I think just all of their stuff is just generally popular. I mean, Oxygen Not Included fucking rips. That game is gold. I never played that. They're really they're generally really good. Invisible Ink, classic. Mark of the Ninja. Classic. Mark of the Ninjas. Don't start. Classic. Just classics out of them nonstop. I think Mark of the Ninja is like low key underrated. I believe that. It was sort of like, it was like back end of like Xbox Live Arcade. It like felt like an Xbox Live Arcade game, but I don't think it ever came out on that. Maybe. I don't remember. I see what you're talking about. I think it just, people were just tired. I think Clay of just that. has that vibe. It's got that vibe. That just almost should be an Xbox Live Arcade vibe. Yeah. <laughs> that's the real uh, reason i haven't oh, I been gaming as much is because or i haven't been finding stuff to play is because xbox live or xbox game pass has been super <sighs> barren there's like nothing out i wanted to play anno mm. 1800 but there's like it's never on sale man and you can like it's always on sale get on, the, it epic on the epic store yeah it's on sale like every time they do a sale. On All there. the other Anno games are on sale, but I can never, I guess I'll just try to find when there's a sale. Yeah, whenever Epic does their like Epic Mega Sale or whatever, Anno is like always discounted at least 50% for the base game. All right. I need that. Hell well, how yeah, come like Josh. all the other Annos are like given away for free or like $3, but this one's not? That's what I want to know. Uh, this one's new. I mean, this came out like two years ago. 
and they're still like actively working on it. Like it's full on, like they're putting out DLC still. The base game will like go on sale for like $10 hmm. for the Epic store and the DLC will still be more expensive. Well, um, you've hyped it up. So I want to just fucking it. popular. They can like milk it. And like, I mean, shout out to them. Like these games don't get made. So I'm like, yeah, give them all. Like every time DLC comes out, I just like on the spot buy it. I'm like, I want more of this. It's, it's what I need. Yeah. God, yeah. That game, whew, that game. So it's a good game. Um, I want to talk, speaking of, speaking of card games, I was also playing, I played a lot more stuff than I realized now that I'm like on the podcast. Uh, I don't remember when we did this. One of the first things that we played together was Dominion. I remember playing Dominion with you at my apartment in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is another card game that isn't like Dominion, but it, I don't know, for some reason they're similar in my head. It's called Summoner Wars. But so it's sort of weird. So what happened was that the like licensor of Summoner Wars like decided not to renew their license. So the designer like brought it back to this other company and they're like publishing a second, second edition. edition and yeah. And, um, they're, they're like building like a fully online version of it, like sort of in conjunction with, uh, the physical release. So the idea is that it's like, as they release different sets, those also go online. Um, this is also like, <laughs> it's like way more janky than like magic, the gathering arena. Like this is like, online card game play circa 2005. Like it's, it's not fancy, um, but it does work. And so I was playing that. I've been playing that a little bit the past few so weeks. So you played a computer version? Wars right there. Yeah. So I was playing online versus a friend. Uh, and so the, the general premise of Summoner Wars is that, so there's two sides of a board um, and the, each board is basically a grid of spaces that's like, it's probably like five by, maybe it's five by five. Is it this? And you play, I'm bringing up this video. Josh is bringing up the media. No, I don't even know what that is. The, the first thing you showed was what it was. The cards playing oh, down. Summoner's um, War. As opposed to oh, no, this Summoner, is Summoner Wars. Wars. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, so basically the, the way the game works is that there's a, I guess the whole board itself is maybe like 10 by 10 and each side is, five by five. I think that's right. And then what happens is that each person, hence the name Summoner Wars, um, plays down cards on their side of the map near these things called gates, which are like things that can exist on tiles. So what it, what it effectively is, it's it's sort of like a grid-based tactics game in, in like 2D, right? You're playing it on a um, like flat sort of card surface or whatever. Uh, but the cards have sort of like magic, magic, the gathering esque effects. So um, here's some lovely, yeah, there you go right on the video. So the idea is that you're playing cards and they can sort of do things, um, but you're, you're not really like playing. There are some spells, but mostly what you're doing is you're playing down creatures that, and like sort of, I don't know, warriors of some type that allow you to attack the other player. And if you, you're trying to kill their summoner. Um, so what the game is, so you're playing it and it's sort of a grid-based uh, card thing that's card battle, but the way the actual attacking works is the attacking is um, based on the grid. So you have to like be, be adjacent to someone if you're melee or like ranged uh, within a certain range if you're uh, a ranged character. And also cards themselves 
unless they have a special keyword, can't go through other cards. So, you know, 10 by 10 is like, actually I'm looking at this now, it's like eight by, looks like it's like eight by six or something. Um, a card takes up a single tile, so the board becomes really packed sort of really fast. Um, but what's sort of cool about the game is that uh, there's just like a lot of strategy because the other thing is that you're not just, um, I guess you can do like some deck building, but basically when you're playing the game, you choose a deck that is like a specific faction. So in the game that's available right now to play online for free, there's like the goblins and um, there's some, I think called like the guardians or something. It's some other faction. And like the goblin faction is really good at like playing down a lot of creatures really fast. And the other one is really good at uh, sort of manipulating the board state via pushing. So like an example of a card ability will be like, oh, when, um, if like an enemy card is adjacent to this card and that card gets pushed away from this character, that enemy takes a point of damage. And most of the damage amounts are pretty low. So unlike something like magic, where like you don't really have a concept of the board as like a playing field, like you sort of have like a row of characters on either side, or even the, I mean, Rune Terra is maybe a little bit closer, but there is some sort of adjacency stuff that happens. Um, this is sort of like a lot of the, a lot of the strategies are built around positioning specifically. And the flavor of the cards is like another nice little layer on top of it. I mean, it's um, kind of like really yeah. dumbed down D and D combat. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I could see that. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're playing on like a sort of grid. I mean, technically, Josh, it's more like D and D fourth edition. D and D fifth edition is like theater of the mind. <laughs> but yeah, if you're playing yeah. like a role playing game on a grid, that's sort of similar and to that. Every and every um, piece has like predetermined stats, and you. Roll. Yep. 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 Um, but the rules are more rigid in this, obviously. Yeah, it's the thing. So the thing is about this game is that I think this game is pretty cool. Um, it's obviously popular. I'm like sort of sad the digital version is not like as good as it should be. Because I think it's going to turn a lot of people away. Like there's just like stuff in it where it's like this is not <laughs> like. That production value is not, not there. It's like not. Yeah, it's it's like it like works, but like barely. Like you'll have you'll have things like. You know, you might have two, two, or you might have like someone on the battle who at the start of a phase of the battle has to choose a target for their ability. When that happens in the digital version, uh, there's no indication. Uh, some cards just turn green. And there's like, it doesn't say who is making those cards turn green. Doesn't Jesus say is, like Jesus is doing what the thing is supposed to do. God is, doesn't say God that. is doing it. It just like, turns green and you're like, okay, I guess I have to know that this thing does this thing. And like, I feel like this is the sort of thing that like five years ago would have been okay. But like you're competing with like, like magic, the gathering arena, you're competing with rune Terra. You're competing with like, I mean also like stuff like brass Birmingham and root and wingspan and like through the ages, all these games are getting like really good digital adaptations that are like, like good. And this feels like, this is like a bar above, like just having some sort of like basic version in like tabletop simulator or something. So Dude, I don't know. I want to play me. more of it. The digital version kind of sucks, but like the people I play it with aren't like around to play it in person. So I don't know. 
Playroom Terror with me. It was fun to play. I do enjoy. I did enjoy it, and I do recommend if it sounds like something you want. It's free to play right now online for the first like. They give you like two decks you can play with. You can just play with those to get a feel for it. Summoner it sounds like your jam. Wars. Oh, I I played a game. Oh, sorry. I played um Neo, some Neo. Oh, what inspired that? I don't know. I've always wanted to try it, and I started playing it. It's pretty cool. It's it's like basically Dark Souls, like more arcadey, I would say. But it's very just mm. like shameless Dark Souls ripoff stuff that feels <laughs> like a little bit smoother. I would say not in hmm. like a, that's not like a qualitatively good statement. It's just, it's meant it's smoothed out a bit, but it's kind of annoying. Cause it's like mostly every enemy is pretty easy, except then you'll just, there's like the yokai and they're just ridiculously hard, you know, where they just like two shot you type thing. And everything else <laughs> is like the fucking skeletons and undead Berg level difficulty. Yeah. It's like, all right, dude, what are we doing here? You know, what are, we, what are we, what are we doing? And they put like, they, they're like, we gotta be different from demon souls or dark souls. So let's put in a couple more features. And one of them is if you like do anything that wastes st- or that uses stamina, if you, so if you dash or if you strike with your sword, you can do like essentially think of active reloading in gears of war where you mm-hmm. press the, a button exactly when like your character blinks a blue or whatever and then you'll get the stamina back so you just have to every time you do something like be on the lookout and try to get that effect which is kind of hard to get used to because it just like adds something to your play that you just have to worry about and it's just like also one thing that i still think is kind of bullshit about every single one of these lauded japanese games that are basically out of the demons slash dark souls lineage is the way that they fucking hide the way that they hide animations and that they, the way that they like hide enemy attack animations where it's like, it's like, Oh, the enemy's winding up really hard. And it's like, they come They're like, they're bringing the big old ax over their head and it's going to be a slow, heavy hit. Right. And then the axe comes down and it's, oh, okay, it's slow and heavy, just as you expected it. So you go in to punish them and then they lift up the fucking axe all fast and shit and it kills you and like two and it stun locks you. And it's like, bro, come on. Like, what is this? I have to, I just have to just stand there and memorize you. You know, I just have to stand there and wait for you to do your thing. See if you're going to go into the second chain of this animation and all of these games have that and it gets like really Dude, I just did like where it's like they'll they'll pull no. back their fucking spear and then it looks like they're about to go forward except instead they just like run a couple steps and then they like start stabbing forward except then they it's oh it was a fucking fake and they bring it over their head it's like they're doing all this shit where it's like oh count you you this is what it, it looks like to counter but actually I'm not going to do that I'm going to do the exact opposite thing just to piss you off, you know? I was like the, I like gotten past it now, but I was sort of like, I wouldn't even describe it as stuck. And you're probably describing the same thing where like in Bloodborne, there's this spider called Rom, which if you're listening to this podcast and you've played Bloodborne, you probably know what I'm talking about. It's this like giant sort of like old spider. And it's the same shit where it's like very slow most of the time. But then like, 
you like get up to it and then like sometimes they'll just like fucking freak out and like belly flop like fucking crazy and like you're like okay well uh you never move that fast ever and that thing fucking two shots me and if i'm too close i am dead and i have to like do this like whole tedious battle over again and like so the battle ended up taking me like fucking 35 minutes because I was just like kiting and only taking sure bets. Because if I was like one step too far and like aggroed too hard, it's like, okay, well, sorry, you, you died. So do the whole thing again. And it's like, that's not, that's not fun. It's like, you're cheating. And I'm going to like, I'm not going to go in there because I, I'm going to lose this battle. So I have to like, like you're saying, like memorize these fucking attack patterns or just like only take 100% sure bet shots, which then makes a battle last like way too long. It's just like, it's almost comical the extent to which they do these fake out things where it's like they purposely yeah. mislead you to get you to like try to parry at a time when they're not actually going for the attack that it looks like they're going to do. And it's like not, I it's, I mean, it's cool, you know, do it to me every once in a while. Maybe a few of the enemies, like that's their thing. But when it's every fucking enemy is doing this shit, it's so annoying. Like that's not, or like the Dark Souls monster jump where they're like really big and slow. And then all of a sudden they're like, whoop, and they're like yeah. fucking jump halfway across the map. And it's like, okay, like, uh, yeah, I guess. Right. I mean, that's, that is one thing I liked about Sekido is that like, it wasn't one of the, the worst bosses for that was the guardian ape where it was just like, you cannot tell when that thing is going to hit or like mm -hmm. when the attack mm -hmm. is going to connect. But that was that boss's whole shtick. But there's a lot of enemies that is, are just, it's pretty clear when they're about to hit you, but it, they're just doing it so much and so quickly that it's like you really have to respond well and consistently, which is a test that I would rather deal with than like, okay, you just better memorize the attack patterns and like hope they yeah. don't switch it up in the middle of attacking you, you know? Yeah. And that, that is another thing that I liked Wait. about Sekiro. Well, even like there's like bosses in like Dark Souls where you can like sort of tell when some of them sort of cheat. And I think that's what that 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 feels like more of a betrayal than like any need for like an easy mode or some shit. Cause it's like, listen, I'll hang with you, but like I've seen you attack for like five to seven minutes that you don't have any more stamina left. Like you can't do that attack. That's that's not like you're breaking the rules of this engagement. Like that's not fun. You're just cheating. Right. <laughs> I think that that's what's like hard about these games sometimes. And in a way that is like truly like, it's like, it's like bullshit basically where you're like, I, I, there's no way I could have expected that unless I was playing so cautiously that like no match is fun. And then, yeah, it feels like a little bit of a crutch where they're like, well, like, we know. Yeah. And but. I think it's one of the reasons why it feels like, okay to cheese fights in these types of games because there's yeah. so much stuff that's just like, all right, dude, cool thanks like i feel like i know what i'm doing in these <laughs> games you know and oh also like the oni or the yokai or whatever you want to call them in neo they break your stamina really fast like it's not like even if you block fine they'll break your posture after like three hits it's like what am i even supposed to do i don't i don't know it's 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 yeah. crazy um anyway it's still like it's it's fun if you want Demon Souls to feel more arcadey, uh, a bit more lighthearted, a bit less like oppressive. Maybe I don't even know if I would describe it as less oppressive. Um, Neo is pretty cool. 
Hmm. Yeah. Was that a Steam sale get or was that a Game Pass get? It was a Steam sale. Steam sale get. Nice. I was like not active on Steam sales this year. I was I trying, but it was like, again, opening up the <laughs> fridge and being like, what? I don't. All of the games that are like recommended for me and stuff, I'm just, play. I've already played them. I'm not really, really interested in playing them. I got um, Cruelty Squad and I'm excited to play that. Oh, yeah. I haven't played that yet. I, really I tried try like that. the first five minutes and I was just like not in the mood. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's, you gotta, you gotta be ready to absorb that. Yeah. Um, I have a, tonight I'm, I'm excited to play, um, I think I'm gonna play Mundon, which I, I didn't get on a Steam sale, but I think it's a similar thing where like the mood is right. Like it's a night I've got to myself. I'm gonna play this like spooky video game. And I'm like, ready. Oh, speaking of which. Oh. Play that new Julian Palacios game. We'll probably talk about that next oh, episode. No, I haven't played it, but it's called Coochie. Coochie? <laughs> <laughs> I got to open in a tab right C-U-C-C-C-H-E. now. C-U-C-C-C-H-E. I think he said it was a, it's like an adaptation of this like artist's work that he sort of had free reign to like build a game off of, which is crazy. Uh I'm yeah, I'm excited to try that. I kind of want to do like a video essay type thing on this is what it looks like, by the way. Yeah, everyone play this and then oh, yeah. we'll regroup next Bring episode and talk about it. Um <clears throat> this is the person who made Promesa, which is one of our favorite games of last year. Yeah. Yeah. I kinda wanna make like a video essay about that game and be like the best game of 2020 that you never heard of? Question mark, question mark. Question mark. And we're question like, mark. Uh, and then your your face is like you're like pulling your hair back, like mind blown. Yeah, this dude's a shining star. It's it's good. Yeah. Regarding Neo, Sumo says, kinda don't like how hard the game gets and how lame you have to play it in a lot of situations. Either the most cautious hit and run or the most over the top all in the most effective ways to deal with the Oni for me. Yeah. That's kind of my experience with it as well, where it's just like, you gotta, you gotta really just like skirt it around once they take a couple hits and then like they, once they swing their blade or whatever, you, you walk in and you do like one hit, maybe two max and then walk away. Most of these games, I realize if you just don't take that extra one hit, you're oh, fine. Yeah. Don't get don't get just, greedy. Just don't take that third hit. Just don't get greedy. You no, know? don't get greedy. Just don't get greedy, and you're fine. But then yeah. in this game, it's like swinging more than once is greedy. Doing your strong attack is greedy, and then it's kind of annoying. <laughs> anyway, Coochie, check out Coochie. Coochie, because we'll probably talk about it. Soon. Um, the last thing I sort of I, well, I didn't actually play this. My wife was playing it. I was watching my her. wife. Um, Sorry. My wife was playing chicory. Chicory. Do you know about chicory? Um, yes, I do. I really want to play this. Natalie Flores like that yeah. game. Friend of the show. Oh, nice. Yes. Former guest. Yeah. This is the so this is the next game by um the Greg Lobanov, the guy who did uh Wander Song, which was like the traveling bard singing game, and it's scored by Lena Rain who was the person who did the music for Celeste. Hmm. So it's a little bit of like an indie, like Vancouver indie dream team <laughs> game situation. Um, and it's cool. 
it's 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 weird. So like the premise of this game is that you're like a person who has a paintbrush who can paint the world. So most of the game, most of the time, looks like an uncolored in uh, sort of like coloring book photo, and you have a brush where you can like paint stuff. Um, and when I played a demo of this like two years ago at like PAX or something. I was like, eh, it seems, uh, yeah, you sure can paint stuff in this world. <laughs> it didn't like feel like sort of cohesive as a thing. It's like you're running around and like you can paint stuff if you want to, but it's not really required. Um, but I think what this game does that I was really surprised and sort of watching Rebecca play is that uh, it's not really about the exploration stuff so much. Like there's a much bigger sort of story arc and the painting stuff it's more of like a mechanic that yes you can use on like the real like on like the world map so to speak to like paint stuff and some things do interact with the paint but most of the time there's like all these other sort of small things that happen that use this paintbrush in interesting ways so like at one point in the game you're like go to art class and you like paint stuff inside of art class. And then there's like other things that people want you to like paint their house or whatever else. So I think when I, when I first saw the game, I was like, oh, like I don't really want to play a game where like I'm running around the world and I have to like paint the right thing to do the action. And like, while that there is some of that in Chicory, a lot of it is just sort of like a really nice, interesting exploration of like sort of like artistic uh, like, like, like thematically about like artistic creation and like thought and practice as well as like community and family. It's very like, you know, veering on like nice core wholesome stuff, but like I would definitely wholesome. It's not like so cloying really. It's not really cringy. Uh, I think the characters sort of feel realer in a way that doesn't necessarily happen with some of it's more like, it's more like night in the woods ish. You know, where people are like, oh, like we're, we're people, we kind of fuck up sometimes, but we're like people, they're not like aggressively nice all the time. Um, so it's, yeah, it's cool. It's fun to watch it. I don't think I'll play it. I feel like I'm sort of getting a good idea and I'm like, yeah, it's interesting. Overall video games seem um, to be But there's like enough like nice things. Thing. Yeah. You know what actually I played <laughs> that reminds me of so. this is, wait, also one question about that. Is it like your cursor is like a paintbrush and you have to like paint the world or something? How does it work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your actual like, well, you can, you can move around like with a control stick or like keyboard or whatever. And then you also have a cursor. So you're like, a, you're like a person in the world moving around, but at the same time you have a cursor that can sort of paint anywhere. It doesn't have to be like next to you. So it's sort of like two, it's, it's more like, um, Imagine like Super Mario uh, Galaxy with the Wiimote where you're like running mm. Mario around and at the same time you've got like a paintbrush, except it's like top down like Zelda, like um, like 2D Zelda. So it's not 3D. Uh, so it's more like sort of two input modes. Um, and also like, I don't know, this game just has like a lot of like, it's got a lot of good juice. It's like very, you know, it sparks joy in a lot of small ways where like the way the paintbrushes interact with the world the like sort of different types of brushes and paint colors you get. Um, there's just like a lot of like stuff like that. that just feels nice to exist inside of. So in a way, in that way, it's sort of like very nicely polished for that goal. 
um, which makes like being inside of it sort of fun. And it does, you're, you're like, Oh, I have this cool paintbrush thing. I should like paint some stuff here. Um, so if you do try it, anyone who tries it, I would say definitely give it more than just an hour because it sort of progressively escalates sort of quickly, uh, versus just being like what it looks like at the very start. Um, there's no like big twist or anything, uh, but it is worth saying like, oh, you should like, yeah, try. I like try this. It. it looks like a coloring book. This yeah. IGN's review, by the way. Um, it looks like a coloring book and y- it, it makes it very invite. It, your first reaction is like, oh, I want to color this in. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like For sure. your body has that immediate reaction of seeing something in this style that is clearly a coloring book type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this room, so this reminds me of Carto. Have you heard of Carto? Oh yeah. I do know about Carto. I have not played Carto, but it's like the map rearranging game, right? Yeah. It, that game is, I really want to get into that game again because it is really fucking cool. Yes. So it's Hmm. basically the central kind of theme of the game is that you're this little kid who's like the, the grandson of like a mythical like cloud the person who basically like oversees the construction of the world basically. And it's like, it's interesting too, because it's this um, sort of, I'm not really sure what it's based on culturally, but it feels like this sort of tribal mythology understanding of the world as like a collection of puzzle pieces put together. And that's the way that the whole game is framed. And you're, it's your grandmother who is like, who has all the puzzle pieces to the world, which dictate what the world looks like and how you like discover new things in the world. So in the game, you have these like tiles that you'll put on the world that then dictate your experience of how you move through it and what you encounter in those spaces. Um, so it's almost like all of the good parts of putting down tiles in loop hero without any of like the bullshit loop stuff, <laughs> you know, where you're discovering like, Oh, these I tiles interact with yeah. th- this way. Like if I have huh. a desert next to a forest, like a certain animal will appear there and I will encounter that animal and talk to it. And it's like a mythical creature, you know, but you know, you talk to people and they kind of give you clues about, how those things appear, but it has this very naturalistic sense of like, this is these people's concept of the world and how it works. And you are this sort of omnipotent being who is able to manipulate that stuff, but is also down on the ground and talking with the people of the world and seeing how it affects them, you know? So it's this like godlike top-down perspective but also you're helping people, but also it's not overly cloying and all of the puzzles and stuff are really clever and it's always using new ideas in the way that say like a paper Mario would where they're just constantly kind of throwing, Oh, right, like, right. wow, this is, they really bent what I thought the rules were of how these layouts work. You know, it's sort of, it sounds like that reminds me of that. Um, that Apple arcade game that the Samaras developers did, Amanita Designs, the um, Pilgrims, where you're like playing cards for interactions with people to get like different scenes. That's more of like a, I mean, card game, very loosely a card game, but this sort of like, yeah, like emergent interaction of like tiles and stuff. That sounds really cool. Cause I'm looking at the video that you're posting on the, um, the YouTube and like, 
this screenshot like doesn't really sell me what you're saying sells me. Cause I'm like, Oh, you place a tile down and you go to the tile. Like, why is that exciting? But the, the idea of like there being interaction and like sort of ways things can happen. That sounds sort of cool. Yeah. And they just, they just do really cool, interesting things with it too. And it's, it's kind of that feeling of when you're playing, did you ever play betrayal at house on the hill? I have. Yeah. Or it's just like, you go into this room and it's like, draw a tile and see what's in the room. You know, and it's just the house is changing every time based on that. And it's just this game has that kind of vibe where it's like, wow, what's what's out there? I don't know. And then you pick up a tile and you're just like, oh, I put the tile down. And there's oh, there's like a person there. And then if you move the tile somewhere else, like if you move that person somewhere else, they'll interact with someone else somewhere else on the map. And it's just it's just Mm. really cool. Like it's they do some really really stuff with it. And I, I do think it is on Game Pass also so Ooh, yeah there you go yeah I'm talking my language now <laughs> highly recommend that Game i feel like pass. it's probably in the same vein as chicory but i do want to check out chicory because i have heard really good things about that too yeah i would say so it's weirdly not on switch which feels like a native platform for it it's only on what's well, on playstation i imagine it's on xbox and i think it's on pc the like control for like the doing like the cursor movement at the same time as the movement on a controller like doesn't feel good so i'd say maybe try it on pc just because you actually have like an actual cursor to like paint stuff more exactly yeah but it's also sort of chill like it's never really super high stakes so if you just want to like kick back um it's a good it's a good kickback game yeah uh you want to you want to wrap it up um we do have like a couple of things you got anything from listeners yeah what you got how about, since it's 101, how about a beginner's guide to gaming? Yeah, what do you think the kids are doing these days? Please craft a hypothetical kid born in 2011 and explain their <laughs> gaming upbringing. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I feel like kids these days, TM, are very multiplayer focused and playing with friends. Video yeah. games seems to be a lot more of a social endeavor yeah. than it used to be. Single player games are a bit more niche than they used to be, which is kind of funny to me. Like multiplayer modes in big games are always sort of a joke. You're like, no one yeah, plays that. Yeah. Like, like when Mass Effect 2 had their like multiplayer thing, everyone was like, what? I mean, it, it's still sort of weird to have a multiplayer Mass Effect thing, but like you didn't really play multiplayer. I feel like Call of Duty was like sort of the biggest watershed, especially console multiplayer. Call of Duty 4 specifically sort of a really big deal. I guess Halo as well, but I feel like Call of Duty is one of the first games that like everyone was talking about that they were like playing online. Halo was still sort of like kind of nerdy. Yeah, Halo was like the big one. And then like PC gaming was like not near as big as it is now. It was like, like most people had consoles and most people did all of their gaming on consoles and like you didn't have a PC to game. Like most people had like PCs they got at Best Buy and like they did fucking Excel. Like you had to sort of like really be into games to have a PC to play games on. Well, and it's weird too because kids these days. It's really weird too because it's like there's not just single player and multiplayer, but now there's also like multiplayer PVE and multiplayer PVP. You know, like Final Fantasy 14 is a huge, huge player base. And so it's like, wow, still has a lot of players, obviously, but it's like, are you the kind of person who likes playing games 
with with other people or against other people, you know? And then playing games by yourself is like another step removed from that. And it, it occupies a very different space, I've noticed. I think also just like the the profusion and quality of free stuff now yeah. is like on another level. Like nothing was, I mean like the free stuff was like shitty games you played on like coolmath.com or whatever. Like you did, there was like not good free games or like there were like maybe like some MMOs were free, but they were also not often very good or they had like subscription fees or something. My gaming 101 so, is like get a Nintendo Switch or get a PC that can run like basic stuff, you know? I feel like a Switch is a good like get that and then just buy like a, a Nintendo game. I don't know, honestly like when I when people ask like what stuff to play, I will often more I like more often recommend them more experimental stuff than like video games. So I often find that like people who are our age have like, if they're not playing games yet, they're sort of not playing them for a reason. Like, I think it's sort of hard to ignore them. Right, right, right. Um, so I don't think someone's coming to me and they're like, want to be recommended call of duty. It's like, I mean, something like Cardo or like donut County is a go-to for me for people to try. Um, and then sort of like work from there. A short hike is one that I recommend I mean, pro- to people. Short hike. Yeah. It's like stuff like that is much more sort of palatable and that stuff's more available on a PC, which is sort of annoying than it is on like a But console, people have great reactions to those like things because like they're like, console. I didn't know this existed. Like Night in the Woods oh, yeah, for sure. is a good one for yeah. people who are like adults and they just want a game that has like a like an interesting story and good writing and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. But, it, you know, it, it definitely depends on the per- person, you know. There's a lot of people who are just starting to get into games. And I feel like that's one reason why the Switch is a good choice for those people because they have a lot of those types of indie games that are accessible, but that are still kind of deep-ish cuts in other mm-hmm. waters. Shouts out to mm-hmm. Gareth. Man, you know what sucks? What? Is like fucking mobile gaming. <laughs> it's yeah. Like it's so sad for like such, it's like such promise. Yeah. And like, just so consistently, so I was bad. trying to even like find mobile games to play. And I was just like, I don't, all of the games that are like chosen for the, from the editorial thing or whatever are, are either the games that have been popular in the mobile space forever, <laughs> you know, or like indie games from that I already that I played on PC seven years ago. Like inside yeah. is like editor's choice. Like you play as a, it's like, okay, <laughs> dude, I, I already did that. Although our, our discord is obsessed with shining Nikki, shining Nikki. I mean, that game is also like busted mobile game trash too. <laughs> like this is not a, maybe fun busted mobile game trash. Maybe fun, but it's like, it, it is like, it's a game wrapped around a monetization scheme, which is what like, even like, like even I want to play some like bullshit, like Star Wars game, whatever that like Disney makes. And it's like, it's like, mo- it's got mobile game bullshit. It's like, I don't, 
don't get, I don't need energy. I don't want to have a cash shop. I don't want to have like all this like boring stuff that's like built for engagement. I want to like play a game that's like fun and like just be able to play that. And I will Sorry, pay like bitch. $2 for that. But no. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Record scratch. We're done with this topic. This is sort of like a adjacent to that. But can I ask you a, quick, a question about something that I've been seeing recently that I have no fucking clue what I'm looking at when I see this shit? Okay. Uh, yeah. Hit me. Have you seen these Instagram ads where it's like it's an advertisement for a video game, but it's like someone writing on a piece of paper that's supposed to be like emulating the gameplay of a game, but it's like an analog thing no. where there it's like it'll be like a word game. I saw one for two dots the other day. Have you seen this? No, I have no oh idea what you're talking about. Oh my God. I gotta look this up now. It's just like someone like drawing up. It's not like one of those ads where it's like, it's like someone trying to play the game and like fucking up and they like burn the princess with lava. It's not like that, is it? No. <sighs> I need to... Here's like a screenshot of kind of what I. This is an advertisement for two dots. It says for the people on the podcast, it's a picture of dots and it says, I bet you can't draw this. No lifting your pen or overlapping lines. It's like it looks like a snowman from an isometric top down perspective. But that's not how, this is not how two dots works. It's just like a totally ancillary. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a, what two dots looks like. Fucking mobile this is nothing like that fucking ad. It's, yeah. they're just trying to emulate like. like the thought process that you go through when you're doing this puzzle in front of you. No, I think they're trying to like do like the, like catchy ad thing and they're just like someone's gonna touch the screen on accident and like go to the game it's weird mobile, mobile game like i mean let's shout out tiny touch tales josh and i are big card crawl boosters i think like zach gage also makes like a decent amount of stuff that's like pretty good but like i'm looking on my phone here and i'm like i don't oh sorry i'm looking for these ads it's just like I see these ads and I'm like, this does not. Oh, look, here we go. This is a Reddit post. R slash two dots. Two dots now using phony advertising on Facebook. Why do they resort to this question mark? Yeah. This is, yeah. yeah it's like mobile game bullshit. But it's not like it's weird because the logic behind this ad is that the the way that you think about solving this puzzle is the way that you think about solving a two dots puzzle. And the principle of them is basically the same. That's the logic behind this ad. Even though you're not actually doing anything like this in two dots, the game. I think you're giving them the benefit of the doubt. I feel like it's very much more like they're trying to cash in on an advertisement style. They are, but th th a lot of things do this. This is not the only example of this. But the thing is, if you just show a screenshot of fucking two dots, this is what it looks like. 
You know, it's not compelling in and of itself. You know? But even though the ad, though, the ad is like, it's not even really an ad. It's just like, it's a thing telling you something. And it's like, it's like, what if I can draw that? Does that mean I should play two dots? Like, what, what is the next step? Anyways, kids these days, I feel for them. <laughs> Mobile games weren't always shitty. Dude, two, uh, just, they just got to play. Have They just... I mean, mobile games. No, are I don't feel shitty, bad for these kids, like, man. They could have been better. Everyone plays games now, dude. You're That's not true. like a weirdo if you play games anymore. Now, you could like actually Maybe play games with girls now, on. which is like something we never had as kids. <laughs> I mean, you you know, you theoretically could, but it was like, oh, I don't want to play Halo. But like now, it's just like yeah. you got everyone playing Valorant in the Discord. You know, yeah. That's just how it works. It's like a social activity that people do. So just, you know, join that whole zeitgeist. Play with your friends. You know, get close to someone via a video game. There's going to be like a lot of relationships where like, oh, we met through our Valorant group. Now, that's going to be a thing. I remember it being like a weird thing to like meet someone online. Like online dating was like very taboo. Yeah. Like if you met someone on the internet, you were like, whoa. Yeah, like people who met on like WoW that's, that's or whatever. It's like... Or even like back before like like Tinder, obviously. Like back in like... Match.com early and 2000s. stuff like that. OkCupid. Yeah, 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 stuff like that. Yeah. Like before OkCupid, this is just like Match.com. You're like, that's this like, is Gaming 101, folks. You met folks. someone on the internet. Get gaming your wife. Where are you going to find your life partner? Find whatever, you know, husband, whatever it is. Just through video games. Just do that, okay? Roblox. <laughs> Met the love of my life in a Minecraft server. And an obby and Roblox. Let's right. wrap it up. We are bad in podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to everyone who joined us on the video version uh, who's watching this from their homes. Or I mean, where else you could watch I mean, I guess you could watch it on mobile. Maybe you're sitting down at In N Out waiting for your burger, watching this on your iPhone or Android. Shouts out. We're bad in podcasts. Thanks for listening. Uh, this is episode 101. You can find us on Twitter at Bad End Podcast. Email us at badendpod at gmail.com. Um, you can find our YouTube. Just search us and type Bad End Podcast, and you can find our podcast there. Please subscribe. Actually, we'll be super. it'll be super helpful. I guess you can't make like a custom URL for your podcast or your channel until you get 100 followers. So I want to get 100 followers. Can we do that, folks? Go sub if you're listening on Spotify or whatever, Apple, go just go on YouTube and just sub real quick. If you can't, if you could, it'd be very helpful. Um, we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash bad end. If you want to join our Discord community, watch us record this episode live. We're gonna have a guest on the next episode. We got some cool guests lined up. Um, it's been a minute since you've had guests, but we're gonna be back on that soon. Um, so hopefully I'll be feeling hundred percent feeling a little under the weather still from my post surgical. But uh, I'll bounce back. I'll bounce back. Uh, thank you again for all your support. Thanks to all our friends at Superculture Network, folks at Idea of Evil, the new Berserk podcast we got out. Go check them out. Uh, that's the Superculture Review Season 2. Um, you can check out Bullet Points, bulletpointsmonthly.com. You can check out Funland Magazine. They're, they got some stuff in the works. Uh, and then Heterotopias and us, of course. But uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Nice hanging. Later. See ya.